0: On three center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports.
1: Welcome back to Five on Three, WFUV's best, if only, hockey podcast. I'm Lou Orlando, excited to be joined by this crew James Burley, Nick Palmer, two of our best pop guys. We got representation for all three local teams and I couldn't be more stoked to be with you boys. How's everything, man? I mean,
2: this is a big weekend. We know what's coming on the other side of of, of tomorrow and, and two days from now. Um, We're going to talk about it a lot this show, and you mentioned it. This is just as good of a panel as you can get when you're talking five on three. We got Nikki P., we got Lou, we got myself. We're doing Devils, Islanders, Rangers, all in action in the outdoor games. So, um yeah, I mean we don't cover the flyers, so we're not gonna be here, but other than that, I think this is a 10 out of 10 show, and I can't wait to get it going.
0: This like the one word that comes to mind when I think of this five-on-three show is just classic. Like that's 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 the single word that comes to mind. I think this is a real meeting of the minds, um, mm. in terms of hockey knowledge across the Tri-State area, as it always is. Um, and we have some interesting games to talk about as of recent because the rangers are on a heater uh and the devils are sputtering a little bit we don't know exactly which way they're going and uh i guess same thing with the islanders although it's kind of been a uh a trash show as of recently but uh we'll see if they can get this uh turnaround with this stadium series coming up so i'm excited to be here with you boys
1: yeah man let's get let's just do it i'm the thing i ended up being most intrigued about coming into this show is honestly the Devils because I thought a lot of interesting things happened in last night's game. It's kind of – I think they're the toughest team right now to pinpoint where exactly they are because you think back to coming out of All-Star break and you beat the Avs, which is not an easy thing to do. And then, you know, even that loss to the Flames is starting to look better with how well the Flames have been playing. You come off now last night a 2-1 loss to the Kings – where I think the biggest storyline, the thing that's getting posted everywhere, is that Jack Hughes had a little bit of a fit. So I like, what's happening, Burley? What, what's what's going on? I I mean, we're ask, we're
2: saying the same thing this entire season. What's going on in New Jersey? We can't tell if they're good or bad, if they're trending in the right way or the wrong way. And they did come out of the All Star break very positively, not only because they beat Colorado, but they actually have been playing good hockey, especially defensively, even in the games that they've lost. Against the Hurricanes, they shut them out over sixty minutes. Um, that that was a terrific performance. They just couldn't get goals going, which you know it seems to go a bit backwards for the way the Devils were doing uh, up until I would say the new year, scoring goals for fun, but conceding so many because there were so many gaps defensively and their goaltending wasn't making saves. Come January, though, they've only scored I think two power play goals in their last thirty attempts. Uh, going, they went zero for twenty two going back from. Um, the game against the Kraken to mid-January against the Canadians. So things have been going wrong. Injuries have played a part. But now that Jack Hughes is back, you think that they're going to have the offense flying. But it's been the defense that has been very uh good for the New Jersey, including last night against the Kings. That was a very tight game, very neutral zone heavy. And I give the Devils a lot of credit for the way that they played. But once again, they don't come out on top. And Jack Hughes, I love that passion that he's showing. Don't let Victor Arvidsson throw a cheap shot at you, a late hit, even if it wasn't that dirty. Stand up for yourself, man. I love it. I love that the team comes around. I think that that's the sort of fire that you need to have in your belly when you're fighting an uphill battle for a playoff position in this division, in this year of hockey, with as much parity as there is in the NHL. And, you know, if you told me before the season started that this Devil's Flyers game would be pretty crucial tomorrow night, Probably would not have believed you. I definitely would not have believed you. Um, and, th- and at this point, this is one of the biggest games the Devils will have all year. The ability to capture the momentum of a big event while also taking down, you know, a classic rival who sits above you in the playoff spot, and the spot that you need to ensure a playoff position when your team is, on paper, miles better than them. I think this is a fantastic opportunity for the Devils to finally figure out maybe who they are, get a little bit of momentum going, and make a real push for the playoffs because – if you look at the next stretch of games, like this is it. They got three divisional games up next: Flyers, Caps, Rangers. Those are huge. Then they're hosting the Lightning, uh, and the Blues, and the Panthers in the following week. So they're not going to have an easy go of this. And this is where it's crunch time. These are the games you got to win. So they've got to figure it out now. I think Nico Dawes has had as good a season of any goalie the Devils have. Vitek Vanacek has been doing a lot better the past few weeks. So I think there's there's some momentum. There's some things to be proud of, but. They got to score goals again because they haven't been generating offense that well. But since Nico Hesher and Jack Hughes are playing together on the ice, there's a chance that we may see the Devils of yesteryear uh, in the coming days. I don't know. Sorry for ranting too much there.
0: No, that was that was great. I'm I'm glad you brought up the two Nikos because I, I think those are really your your rocks right now um, as far as this team is going uh nico dawes like he's last night he made some crazy crazy glove stops um Mm -hmm. and unfortunately you know you lose two to one you your goaltender played fantastic um he just got outclassed by big save dave riddick um which happens once in a blue moon i don't know like if you've been watching dave riddick as of recently uh the guy could not buy a save for his life in the last couple months he just happened to show up here at the rock and uh stumble into one, I guess. Uh, but I mean, at least in that game, I I, I watched it as much as I could. Uh you know, Kopitar Nets won in that game because his and his grandfather passed away like a day or two ago. Does a little point up to the to the sky mm-hmm. for him. That was nice to see. Uh Quentin Byfield, 55, uh finishing that goal in the third period. But I, I let's talk about the Jack Hughes thing, because Yes, he is. They do pay to see him play. That that I is generally that
1: quote is is a if that's something that like that could really work against him if they don't get right.
0: I know. Dick. And you know, you're you're picking on Victor Arvidsson, which is fine. He, he laid that hit. with yeah, I I thought it was clean. You think it's dirty? Potato, potato doesn't matter. Um, Kings poked fun at him on Twitter uh, right after the game. Said they pay to see you lose. Uh, but that's a little ironic considering like how the Kings have played since late December. And like, they're only two points up on the devils with two games in hand. So like, let's calm down here. Um, Mm -hmm. But as you know, as far as the devils are concerned, Jack is, is an impact player, even if he's maybe being a little, I don't, I'm not going to say bratty, but I am a little bit, you know, get, get your bearings first in the NHL. (laughs) I will He's still a kid I don't know i he's supremely talented, but I maybe give it a year or two before you start punching up at older guys I don't know what do you think
1: he's not wrong people pay to watch him like he's one of the most exciting stars in the league so I think it's if the devils were in first place in the metro I think this I think you'd you love it because it yeah. like it'd be awesome the devils would be feeling themselves and even the people that hated it. It kind of fuels that sense of like, oh, you know, you hate greatness, which is something that you like to do. I hate Sidney Crosby. So, like, it would go into that territory. It's getting made fun of because the Devils have had a bad year. Jack Hughes has been injured for part of it, and the Devils aren't winning every single game. And so it gets turned on you pretty quickly. But I don't know. Maybe the, I don't know if it's coming out in exactly the right way, but maybe the Devils need a little bit more of that. Like, hey, boys, get going. Like, Fourth place in the metro. Listen, like they've emerged as the top team of the rest of the metro, right? There's that top three. Right. Philly has enough of a gap right now where it's seven points, but same series game coming up. But like that again, that pack remains very close of like Islanders are literally a point behind the Devil. Penguins are in the mix there. Like the Devils have emerged at the top of that pack. They're two points behind the second wild card in the East, where it's like, all right. You're in the mix here. If they go on a run after that, I know they lost the Kings game, but like if they start to turn things around, like you're gonna love to see stuff like that. And maybe they need a bit more grit. Like Jack Hughes, it's probably not gonna come out as like, you know, him being a fighter or anything, but like maybe that's their Jacob Truba helmet throw. They're like, fuck man, like Jack Hughes is upset. Like, let's get going.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that's great. Uh, um, you know, the devils the devils are one of the teams where yeah they're out of a playoff picture but i totally see how they can go on a run you know it's it's not one of those teams where it's like the detroit red wings who are like on the cusp but i'm like i don't think this team will be getting it done in crunch time Uh, i think the devils can have the capability and have been known as a team to go on long runs and then maybe have a cold stretch here now and now and again um but yeah i the Devils are a team that I, I think are going to make the playoffs. Uh, but that's the annoying thing about the Metro, isn't it? Like you don't know who's going to be in the playoffs really until the last game or two of the season. And that just tends to be the case almost every year.
2: Uh, I I largely agree that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the Metro and they feel like a team that should be there, but I've not, I've not, I'm, I'm going to, you know, be a bit negative here in that I've not really seen it in the way I saw it last year. Like, they don't have to be as good as they were last year to be a playoff team, but I don't think that they have, you know, looked like they are capable of going on a run. There's, there's too many problems with this team to suggest that they're going to win many games in a row against, you know, decent teams in this league. It, it doesn't feel like that to me because whether it's the goals aren't there or, You know, they get out physical, they get out outmatched physically, or, you know, the younger defensemen, you know, miss a gap here and there. The goaltending isn't there. There's 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 too many question marks around the Devils roster for me to say that they're actually going to go on a run. If they make the playoffs, it's because a team like the Flyers um really start losing games more consistently, which is very they're susceptible to do that. Their roster is not as impressive as the New Jersey Devils roster. Um, I would say that about the New York Islanders as well, even though they play more like a machine, like a unified group than I would say the Devils have this season. So especially with the drop-off of the power play, the Devils aren't getting goals like they once were. So it, I think that it's really, really – um, time's running out uh, for them to look like that team.
1: Let me ask you this because I know we – that, that our first show after January, we talked about how much the injuries built up, and like that was a legitimate mm-hmm. reason for why January went the way it did. With Jack back, like I know coming up to this Kings game, I think back to back games with a goal, you know, Timo had a goal in there. Like, does it start to look like they're getting healthier? Are you seeing that like actually translate to better hockey, or does it still feel the same? I, I think it's a
2: good question because the last four or four. I would say four games, not including the game against the Flames, so much, but they've played good hockey and they actually won on a back-to-back for the first time in a long time. They, they shrunk together four complete performances. But again, I say complete with a caveat because they're still missing a tiny thing in each of these games to, to, to be, to be look like they, they they're real winners. And the fact that they're playing this well, but not getting victories to me is, is a sign of a team that, you know, doesn't belong in the playoffs. I felt like last year the Devils were winning games that they almost felt like shouldn't have been had any business scoring three unanswered goals in two minutes, right? They just had that firepower and they harnessed it and 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 found it. Like they were down two goals in the third period, it felt like they were going to come back. You know, it feels like every time the puck drops this year, they're going to go down early. And even though that hasn't been happening in the last four games, they've only won two of them. So I'm not entirely uh entirely optimistic that. They they have been playing good enough hockey to, to turn it around. They've been playing better hockey for sure, but I don't think it's it's been complete enough for them to suggest any big streak coming soon. And that's really disappointing because this team should be much better than they are.
1: Hey, well, Nick, I think highlighted, like you are getting better goaltending. Vanacek gets, I guess you call it a 60-minute shutout against Carolina, and then mm-hmm. three straight games from Dawes. He's the yeah. third star last night. And it's three straight games where it's two goals or less. Like, it feels like. That's I, what I'm saying. That Dawes has been their best, probably their best goaltender this year. Like, I know that uh, the Stadium Series come up. I assume Vanacek's going to be in net on Saturday. Does Dawes deserve it over VTech? Uh, that's,
2: that's tough. I think back to the last Stadium Series game, the Devils had. Lou, you'll probably remember this. It was. January of 2014 against the New York Rangers at Yankee Stadium, I think. The Rangers won that game 7-3. to three. Um, That was the year that Corey Schneider and Marty Bordor basically split time in net as Corey Schneider was being ushered into becoming the starter. And Corey was putting up some all-star numbers. Marty was only slightly worse, but still decent, uh, warranting you know a, a 1A, 1B starter job in the NHL. Um, and they went for him to start that game. Obviously, you go for the veteran, Marty Brodeur, to start. Um, it's a historic game, the first Devils outdoor game against your rivals in a massive stadium. You have to let, let the legend go in goal. Um, and he really played terribly and was pulled, and Schneider ended up going. And I'm not saying this to disparage Marty Brodeur. He's the greatest goaltender of all time, bar none. Um, But I will say this. Vitek Vanacek would be the safer option he would be the more and I can't believe I'm making this comparison but he'd be the more Marty Brodor option and Nico Dawes to me feels like the Corey Schneider option who you go with the hot hand young goaltender who's playing better hockey um, that would be my choice I think he's the type of guy that doesn't get phased by big moments and I think that you have to give yourself the best chance to win this is a crucial game this is a massive four point game against the team that you are trying to knock out of a playoff position. The best chance they have to win is if Nico Dawes is in goal, if you ask me. So I, I say they go with him.
0: Yeah. I, I, if I, if I was writing out the lineup and I'm looking at that last, you know, you know how they do the forwards, they do the defense and then they do the two goaltenders and whichever goaltender is first, you know, is the starting goaltender. Right there, I'm looking at that spot and I'm writing Nico Dawes in there. I I feel like you have to you have to ride the hot hand. Yeah, if you're if you've ever seen a hockey coach in action or worked with a hockey coach, that's what they always do. They ride the hot hand and why not? You know, it's not like in basketball where uh where you know the hot hand fallacy is seriously a thing. I think as I mean, as a goaltender, there have been streaks where I feel really good in that. And there have been streaks where I feel really bad in that. And that's noticeable. And it's real. So, you know, I, I think you have to go, to go to us.
1: I started with the Devils for, for a reason. I think there's a lot of stuff to get into. I've got one last. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was the sort of been Monday, the Flames Rangers game. Both TV broadcasts ended up kind of like semi-reporting a similar thing, which was that there was – a deal in play, a potential deal in place to send Markstrom to New Jersey. And it sounds like Markstrom vetoed that trade. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but like to me, like that's something that surprises me. Calgary has been an absolute mess for the last two years. People just trying to get out of there. And like, that is, I feel like Markstrom should leap at the opportunity to play for a jersey, which I like at the end of the day. I truly feel like that's they're a goaltender away from being a Stanley Cup
2: favorite. I, I from I, what I heard about the whole Markstrom dealing, is that it wasn't so much that he vetoed the trade more so that they just couldn't come to an agreement. Maybe, maybe it was the Flames that couldn't wanted more. I heard salary retention was a big part of that, and um, that Markstrom actually did want to move. I think he had to waive a no trade clause for that as well, and he was willing to do it, apparently. Um, That's really all I know. Um, I forgot to mention this, though. Um, If if you haven't noticed on the Devils' bench the past two games, it's been Akira Schmid backing up Nico Dawes, because Vitek Vanacek has been sick, and also they're calling it lower body as well. He was illness slash lower body, so he may not even be available to choose from on Saturday. Um, it, It's looking like he may come back. You know, hockey reports, they don't really give you that many updates on injury, and they have their reasons for that, but as as for the Marstrom dealing goes, uh, I think people were really upset. What most upset me was that the report also said the Devils will reportedly turn their interest to uh, Elvis Merzlikens, and I, I was I was like, no, why would we just get another VTech Vanacek? That makes no sense to me. Elvis is has never really impressed me uh, to a point that you know. He's he's had a god-awful Columbus Blue Jackets team in front of him, but I've never been impressed by Elvis Merzlikens. I mean, if if you think of back to this season for the Calgary Flames, Jacob Marsham had a god-awful Calgary Flames team in front of him and was still making really good saves, playing his way into Vesna conversations. Elvis Merzlikens has never done that, so I think if the Devils turned their attention there, they'd be making a silly mistake.
0: Yeah, I I have to agree. El- Elvis Elvis Merzlikens had like one good stretch. I think it was like two years ago where he was unreal for a couple months towards the end of the season, which kept, uh, kept Columbus in, in a playoff race, I think, um, or at least in contention. Everyone was like, Oh, look at this guy. He's single-handedly keeping them in the race. Uh, and he just hasn't been that way consistently ever since. Um, I think it would be a big mistake. Uh, to go for him, Jacob Markstrom has. Y- y- I agree. It, even this year, you could argue he is a serious Vesna candidate. Um, he has just shut down fantastic teams. Um, almost single handedly. I went to a uh, when when the Kings were on a heater. Uh, I was actually at Crypto Arena and watch, watched the Flames. And and I mean, this is when all four lines were rolling for the Kings at that point in the season. I his he is so big. Markstrom is massive. It it was the same thing the Islanders couldn't finish against him either when I when I saw him uh when I saw him two weeks ago. And when a goaltender is that big, I think he's six foot four. The way you beat a big goaltender is you have to make a move side to side. If you're not making a move side to side, you're not gonna get the puck. Because if you lift it, he's he's massive. He's gonna he's gonna save that anyway. So and he also covers the entire bottom of the net. So you have to make a move to open, you know, the sides of the net. And if you don't do that, you're not going to score on Jacob Markstrom. And I think teams need to be much more aware of that.
1: I think it's so funny. You basically just said the same exact things that the guys I was sitting next to on the Rangers press box were saying when we were watching Jacob Markstrom. It's like, he takes up so much space. He's so quick side to side. Listen, I know that the uh, the Markstrom, and he's packaged from Markstrom, even like just straight up, like because I know there have been dreams about a Hannafin Markstrom package, which would be absolutely insane. But even it just is. Markstrom package would be what they're going to get back, rightfully so, is going to be one of the biggest deals ever if they end up dealing Markstrom. Like his value is so high right now. He's at, at the top of his game, he's playing insane hockey. So I know that the asking price is probably something that would really hurt New Jersey. But I, as a Ranger fan, kind of think about. What would scare me the most? And it's the Devils getting a goaltender like Jacob Markstrom that could shut down the Rangers for multiple years. Like, that is that truly is what scares me. Markstrom going to either the Cans or the Devils is something that would keep me up at night. So, yeah, the package, if he gets dealt, is going to be pretty crazy. But Calgary deserves to get a crazy package because he's a crazy goaltender. Um,
0: and they need one, too. Like, the Calgary Flames need one i i i have liked uh zary uh for the calgary flames i think i think he, he's he's a really bright spot uh in their young sort of talent but yeah the the flames the flames have been in the basement for going on what 10 15 years um and the this is this is the problem with oh my gosh okay can you can you bear with me for like i'll bear like with you one minute go for it hear me out on this this is what i'm gonna start with this statement this is why the nhl should not expand to 36 teams even though they're going to um when when like young talent wait i, I forgot where i was going with this hold on uh oh my god i totally lost my train of thought never mind just ignore me okay i'll
1: we'll come back to you hold on i do i do agree that Diluting the talent in the NHL is not necessarily the best. Yes. Thing. Probably just the money. Yes. it's. Can it's, I it's, yeah.
2: can I present the opposing figure there? Sure. I don't think there's any shortage of talented hockey players in the National Hockey League. It's true. I mean, true. You, you saw the Vegas Golden Knights get added and immediately compete for the Stanley Cup when everybody thought they were terrible. The Kraken took down the Colorado Avalanche in the playoffs last year. I, there is There is no shortage of talent in the NHL. They could expand to 40 teams now. And the quality would remain very, very high. I I'm I'm very confident of that. I think the NHL's ability for expansion is is drastic, actually. That's
1: I fair. would argue I that. Mean, to, to your point, there are probably I'll go into this a little bit later. There are probably a million Johnny Bratzinskys out there that could step up and play service ball in the bottom six. That as long as you have enough stars and high quality players to distribute that can lead teams, because that's a Feels like every good hockey team needs a couple of those big game changer guys that, like, yeah, you can kind of mix and match your bottom six. And, like, as long as they skate well, you can be competitive. So that's right. probably a conversation for another day. I do. We got Nick Palmer here. I want to get into these Islanders a little bit because, oh this boy, is another team that it's like, I don't know, maybe coming at a break, you got really excited wins against the Leafs and the Avalanche is no big deal. But then you look at this week and I mean, nothing against either of these teams, but Flames, yes, Red Hot, but Flames and Kraken, I would imagine you look at those as a chance at two winnable games and go figure those are the two games that you drop. So it's a two and two stretch. And if you prepped Islanders fans for that in advance, I think you'd say, okay, we probably beat the Flames and the Kraken and we dropped to the Leafs and the Avalanche. I mean, flip that. So help me make sense of this because I watched a bit of that Kraken game the other day and I mean, man, Islanders are bad at shootouts. That was my main takeaway. But uh Nick, tell so me you're into this. Right before
0: we get into this, I
1: remembered what I was
0: gonna say. Oh, go for it. Um, um, okay. So when when you expand uh, the NHL, uh these teams that are perpetually in the basement, like the Calgary Flames, like the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, these teams that can't seem to get out you would have to expand the playoffs in order to support this because there are teams that are not making the playoffs for 10, 15 years. And then if you're slapping another four teams onto that who aren't going to be making the playoffs, if you don't expand the playoffs, then there are going to be more teams that will never see the light of day in the playoffs. Valid. So that's, that's my spiel there. Okay, the New York Islanders. <laughs> um, This team gives me fits uh, this team wildly upsets me from day to day, but also is my favorite group of guys. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to, to get the chance to talk to them so often um, because they really are a team that is united. Um, I think the coaching change really helped that. And you don't see that reflected in the record, as you mentioned blue. Um, I mean, they're, they're really just about dead, even 500 um, playing, playing, better and different hockey than they were before. Um, But the results just haven't came because that's going to take time with a new coach. Uh, uh, One thing that sticks out to me was that they were bag skated uh, on Wednesday. I saw
1: this and I loved it.
0: And I absolutely love that. We uh, actually, I I don't think it was Stefan that uh, asked Patrick about it yesterday, but it was, it was, one of the NHL.com reporters, he said, you know, or no, you know, it was Ethan Sears for the New York post. He said, uh, he said, you know, you bag skated them yesterday. Uh, Today's a little lighter. Like what like kind of message does that send? And Patrick goes, it wasn't a bag skate. Um, We're just doing conditioning. And if they weren't used to that before, then this is, this is what my coaching style is. This is how my team prepares. Um, They do conditioning. And I thought that was a really nice change of pace because that means that, unfortunately, Lane was not pushing the throttle as much as he should be. This is what a hockey coach does. I mean, yes, they're not in, you know, peewees and, and you know, bantams anymore where they're, you know, where you're building up these, you know, these kids athletic abilities yes they're professional athletes but they also need to you know it there's comes a level of discipline and also i remember when i got back skated it made me a lot closer to my teammates it helped you know cohesion when we're all almost throwing up on the ice after you know skating for 15 minutes and absolutely miracle yeah exactly it pushes your team together you know um so I think that's a step in the right direction. And honestly, I think more teams, more more head coaches should be bag skating their players.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, for every reason you just said, I mean, if there was if there's one thing that me and my hockey teammates always used to joke about, it was when we'd have to skate. You know, it's like uh, we we lost three nothing this weekend. He's gonna stay this Monday night. <laughs> yeah. So, no uh, no yeah. No pucks. No pucks. No. No Don't pucks. Think, like practice. the assistant coach come out, and be like, "Don't even think about grabbing a puck right now. You shoot nope. that. You shoot that. You're gonna get more laps." Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of red line, blue line, blue line back, red line back. Oh, oh, yeah.
0: It's it's goal line, blue line, goal line,
2: red line, red line. goal line, other blue line, goal, my line coach, goal line. My coach was when he got mad, he would make us. Go to the bottom of the circle, then back to the red line, and to yeah, the face yeah. dot, then the back of the red line, top of the circle, and, back. Oh my blue god! line back, uh, offside face off dot back, red line back, opposite offside face off dot back, blue line back, top of the circle back, far face off dot back, far bottom of the circle back, far red line back dude and i, I mean, was yeah, i was
0: i was in 40 pounds of goalie gear too
2: yeah no he wouldn't make the goalie though. <laughs> what he the would, hell he i had to skate game.
0: every single time
2: damn that's that that sucks i'm sorry to hear that
0: <laughs> no it's okay anyway the new york let's Islanders let's get back on track yeah sorry um the new york islanders you mentioned that game against the kraken uh and that was an abysmal game i i hated watching that game uh hold locker room after that one uh but I think they learned a valuable lesson because that was Patrick Wall's real first dud with the New York Islanders. Like even the game they lost to the Dallas stars. You could easily see them winning that game, um, you know, and then, and then you lose to the crack. And then it's like that one, we need to address something here. Um, and you see him morning skate the next day, you know, banging his stick on the ice you know blowing that whistle hard making sure the players are hearing it and learning um and that's that's the attitude you have to go with and matt barzell loves playing for this guy he frees him up so much just to do his thing in the offensive zone um wheeling and dealing he actually wasn't skating at practice yesterday but he was this morning uh at northwell ice and it's expected that he will be playing because he was absolutely flying out there this morning uh so yeah New York Islanders good shape I think they have a real shot against the New York Rangers actually in the stadium series game even though uh I yes uh yesterday uh I was talking to one of the NHL like sort of like PR guys and he told us that there were uh I believe there were 140,000 tickets sold in total for both games uh which i assume is is you can argue is going to be like 70,000 a piece um and i was we were debating like what the percentage of the crowd is going to be like like what fans and we came to the conclusion that like it's probably going to be 80 20 rangers fans uh to uh islanders fans
1: islanders fans and... don't like to leave the island famously
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it, in the in the flyers devils game we assumed it was going to be probably also around 70 30 flyers to devils actually um just the flat new
1: New jersey's that like there are a lot of philly people that like live in new jersey or it's a weird yeah it's a weird I the more i think about that matchup the more i really like it so that's
0: right it's gonna be so fun
1: i i will say it was funny tuesday night we're watching me and jack watching the islanders game goes to the shootout and i turn to jack and i go Islanders should be pretty good in the shootout. Uh, and then I proceeded to watch, like, I saw Wallstrom go first, and I was like, oh, they're losing the shootout. <laughs> I just watched Wallstrom's first move, and I was like, never mind. They, I've never seen a team I've had less confidence in just in one game in a shootout. Was, Why are they so awful in shootouts? Because it feels like they have top-end skill players. And yeah. Ilya's broken. Mean, so, like, I feel like that should translate well to a shootout, and I had no confidence Like, I I watched with the Kraken and I was like, oh, the Kraken have so much more juice on that side.
0: Right. Crack. Um, So, Ilya Sorokin, it's not his fault that they're losing shootouts. Um, The the NHL average shootout, uh, like, make percentage is 33%. And Ilya Sorokin, in these shootouts that the Islanders are losing, it's not because they're giving up. Three goals in the shootout they're giving up one goal in the shootout and they're just not scoring any um so then so then you have to look at why they're not scoring any and and i they go to the shootout i already know they're gonna lose the new york islanders um have have gone to the most games in overtime have lost the most games in overtime and have lost the most games in the shootout so when you put that all together um, you already know this is a disaster. Let's see. You go for Oliver Wallstrom, who in that game in particular had shot at the chest of Philip Grubauer right in the logo on three separate occasions, like absolutely no control of, of where he's shooting the puck. And the, these are like, like wide open shots, too. It's not like they're contested. And you go for him in the shootout, does the exact same thing. And you have to question like, OK, we know he's a skilled player. We know he's a sniper what's going on with him there's something wrong with oliver wallstrom so you know if i if i'm oliver wallstrom i'm not going all the way in close where philip grubauer can just tower over the puck i'm shooting from pretty far out and hoping to pick a corner that's what i'm gonna do um and then matt barzell i want to talk about matt barzell in the shootout like i said the league average is 33 percent matt barzell career is at a 21 clip in the shootout and that shocks you because he's. One of the most highly skilled players in the NHL. So, so when you think about it, and he's so shifty, it, it should be the shootout should be a walk in the park for him, but it's not. And I, I, I was wondering why this is, and the conclusion that I've come up to is that Matt Barzell is only good under pressure in a real game situation. When you let him think too much and not react, he gets way too much in his head, and and just can't just can't make it happen so matt barzell is good when he's under pressure in a real game situation uh power play five on five that's where he thrives not the shootout
1: i like that theory a lot i really do do you have any other burning islanders points that you want to make we'll get to some of the stadium stuff at the end
0: um just that yeah if, if we're not if we're not getting into the stadium stuff then uh then uh yeah nothing else except for that the family skate yesterday was adorable. Um, I
1: saw some clips from it. The MSG Rangers, they played during one of their breaks, and it was adorable.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck with his, what, like, one-year-old baby strapped to his chest. Um, that was adorable. Uh, Matt Martin's kids. Uh, actually, Cal, Cal, Cal Clutterbuck's son was just absolutely lighting up and Barlamov's kid, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um like, like, and, and it was weird. Varlamov's kid was the only one who didn't have a stadium series jersey. I don't know why he was just wearing a regular Islanders jersey. And yeah, Cal Clutterbuck's kid literally had like a pile of like 10 pucks. I mean, he's like a four year old kid. And he's just taking clappers at Varlamov's kid who's just kind of laying there in the net. It's really cute. Um, and so that was great. Uh, oh, one other uh, piece of news, which came out uh, very quickly. It's, it's also very short. Um, the... NHL, there's like the NHL like events commission or whatever recently uh, sent out or, or had like a memo sent out that was basically saying that um the chief content officer really big news is coming for Islanders fans. um They're going to they're saying that UBS Arena will be hosting some league wide events coming up that will be announced soon. So that could look like an all star game or something like that being announced sometime in the future. Um, so, that's really exciting. He basically said, as soon as they finish the construction, like, around, like, Belmont Park and that stuff, which should be in the next year or two, they're going to announce, like, a bit that they're going to start doing big events there. Because, you know, they recently built that little pond um, right next to the rink. Uh, it's called the park. And, you know, lots of nice benches. You know, it's it's a really nice outdoor area and, like, a, a pond for people to skate on. So, you know, that's
2: great. I, feel- I did see those... Sorry, I did see those those rumors about the All-Star game going to uh, the Islanders, going to UBS Arena. I think that would be a slam dunk, not only for the NHL, because you'd be back in the New York market uh, for the first time in a long time, really, in, in that way. And it's also yeah. showcasing one of the best new buildings in American sports. Uh, I mean, I haven't gotten a chance to get over there yet, but Nick, from what I've heard about it, from the photos oh, I've yes. seen the videos you sent from your walk from the uh, LIRR station, mm. I, I can tell that it's pretty uh, pretty impressive over there.
1: No, I'm, I'm excited at the prospect of that. That would, They got to start doing – you got to take advantage of the the New York market from time to time. And oh, so yeah. when, you, especially when you get a new building like that, like, yeah, get – as long as it's capable and ready to handle it, like, UBS is in a pretty sick spot. Um, close out with the Rangers, who – more often than not, have been the one team we get to fall back on as being good and having success. It wasn't that way for a while, but now we're back to the Rangers have won six straight going into this stadium series, and I think for the most part they've done it in pretty convincing fashion. Um, that win against the Flames to me was one of their best efforts because of how I think Calgary is playing excellent hockey right now. Like it. Yeah. Kind of sucks that they're going to have to trade off a lot of these pieces. I think Tannen's going to go. You probably see Hanifin go too. Um, like Marsham is so good. The only goal the Rangers got in that game was Will Cooley jamming in a shot by Capocacco. and then the the other one was an empty netter. So like that's the the big story is uh, Igor Shashurkin gets a shutout, which is there's been a lot of discourse over the weeks, over the months, about whether or not Igor is a good goaltender or what's wrong with him. And really kind of feels like out of nowhere because that Blackhawks game that the Rangers won, but let the Blackhawks get back into it, and it goes into overtime. Like, the team was upset. It didn't feel like Igor's fault. and It was all kind of like deflections and defensive breakdowns, but, like, that's been the story of the season. So it just felt like another game where Igor doesn't make the extra stop. In this game, Calgary tested Igor. He had like three or four windmill glove saves with Steve. Steve has been highlighting that high glove side's been an issue for Igor. He had like swagger. He had confidence. He came down and talked to us post game, which is you don't usually get Igor with the media, especially he gets a little grumpy sometimes, and he was <laughs> honest about like how important that game was for him and all that stuff. So like you love to see Igor riding getting a shutout, and that I had to feel good, not just for Rangers fans. Like, you could tell it felt good for him. And so I was like, to see Igor have a game like that, it's been a minute since we've seen him feel himself enough to try and go for the windmill glove save.
2: For a goalie as good as Igor to have had his name dragged through the mud the way it's been, I can see why he might be struggling with these sort of things. But it's been ridiculous. I've kind of had to come on here and, you know, it's crazy. No, no, I'm not. I've not been excited about it, but I've had to remind people how good Igor Shosturkin is. Just because, yes, he had a Vesna year a couple years ago, and he hasn't had that good of a season since. And everyone's like, "We thought he was the best, but he's clearly not." Preposterous, because his numbers have been always amongst the best in this league, even even if it's not at his best personally. This guy is a game winner and always has been. And the fact that people were like, he's good, but he's not great was was bothering me to no end because just like what, what kind of snobbery and, and and like privilege do you have with your goaltenders that you see Igor as like a step down from someone else? Every team in the National Hockey League would would be very lucky to have this guy. And the fact that he is now confident makes me worried because I was really looking forward to the Rangers losing games. And like they were in January and now they've won six in a row. And the only times there really looked like they maybe weren't going to win was I would say against the avalanche that game against the Blackhawks was OT, but they never looked like they were going to lose that game. So I I've, I've really been focusing on how the Rangers have been super, super good. they're firing off on all c- cylinders again. Um And they're playing team hockey, 200 foot hockey that, you know, I, I, I can't lie. I, I never thought that LaViolette would would have gotten it out of them this quickly. But again, I go back to his focus defensively on controlling the neutral zone and I, especially like from the four-check perspective. It's not uber aggressive, but it is when it needs to be. It's very calculated and they run a great trap. They're a tough, tough team to play against. And when they get you on the counter, when they get you vulnerable, they score goals. They take their chances. And when you have a good defensive scheme, you score goals efficiently, and you've got one of the league's best goaltenders in your net. You are a force to be reckoned with, and this scares me because I do not want to be saying this. I do not like this, okay? I don't, I'm not happy about it, but this is the truth.
0: Yeah, the New York Rangers are legit. Um, I saw I saw something on Twitter yesterday that made me laugh uh, about Rangers fans from, from one of my favorite uh, uh, accounts that said, Rangers fans will be complaining about how their team is awful when they're winning seven two, and or like when they're beating the Montreal Canadiens seven to four. They'll they'll still find a way to complain about their team, um, and that's not a dig at Rangers fans. That just says that they have high expectations for their team, um, it, and they it should. Really dig at Rangers fans.
1: It, 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 might, it might need to be
0: maybe it is but maybe uh, yeah you're right maybe it's a deserved dig because they don't give their team the credit that they're due i mean this is this is an elite uh team that it belongs at the top of the metropolitan division um i i think as as long as they have all their pieces rolling and this is not this is not one of those like i'm i'm sorry james but like this is not one of those teams like the devils where you say okay if they have all their pieces rolling this is a team that Will win games because for the devils that's like a big if this this and this for the rangers that happens a lot of the time they have all the things rolling a lot of the time and if if igor is not rolling then quick is rolling and if you know and like your bottom six pick up the slack a lot from your top six uh i mean this this team is a complete team, and I think that they do a very good job of closing out games that they need to win. And yeah, they'll drop the occasional odd ball to, you know, say Ottawa or, or a team like that, but they win the games they need to win. They beat good teams and they beat bad teams. Really, their their wins and losses are not dependent on other teams. It's on how they play. And when it's on how they play, that is fixable in practice and with, with proper coaching.
1: That's a great point. Like you saying that kind of clicked something in my mind because it is so true. When we focus on Rangers losses, both we at FUV and just like we, the media that covers the Rangers, it so often is whether or not the Rangers played a good game. It's, you really, very, very rarely see them play well and get beat. That hasn't happened a lot this year. Um, I would say like there are still concerns. I think the big one is the play of the first line. uh, The six-game winning streak, to me, hasn't really quieted that. Maybe this Montreal game, because Mika finally decided to shoot the puck, and he scored in a delayed penalty, which was really cool. Mika Zibanejad's struggles have been kind of bizarre to me, because he gets so passive, and he loves Chris Kreider so much, and he loves to pass the puck to Chris Kreider, that Mika Zibanejad, who's got an elite shot, won't take the shot sometimes. I'm like, Mika's looked off more often than he has looked right this season. I think it's affected the way the top six has played. Luckily for the Rangers, their third line, which is now Johnny Brodzinski, Will Cooley, and Capo Kako, which is not something I think fans expected coming into the season, has been awesome. They've driven play. Johnny Brodzinski has proven to be a very, very serviceable, I'd argue good third center the way he's been playing. Maybe alleviates the need for a center right now when the Rangers are looking to make trades. The first line that was already struggling now just probably lost Blake Wheeler for a while. We haven't gotten the official update, but it looked like a pretty serious knee injury that that might be the push that the Rangers need to get a right winger, which I do think- Season's could, over. I do think it could benefit Mika a lot because I will say that I, I do think the Rangers season will ultimately come down to whether or not Mika's Banjed can get himself right I don't think it's a coincidence that the power play has completely fallen off a cliff and that's lined up with Mika Zibanejad playing some of his worst hot.
2: I I feel for Blake Wheeler, but even before him being injured, I think Rangers fans should have and would have been calling for an upgrade on the right wing position. Yeah. Alexi Lafreniere has stepped up into a top six role and has performed better than some people might've expected him this year. And he certainly cemented a place there uh, at least temporarily for this season, for sure, but there is so much uh, potential for um, improvement on that right side. Um, I think, I think that that goes without saying. I think you unlock more of Mika Zibanejad's potential by getting a stronger playmaking and goal scoring right winger next to him, along with Chris Kreider. I think that would be fantastic, and then that way you don't have to break up Panarin with Trocheck, which has been, I would say, perhaps the Rangers' best duo this year. Which you know I probably wouldn't have thought it would be. Um, coming into the season, and a lot of that is cause of Artemi. So I I, I do say I do agree that Johnny Brudzinski has come in and has really alleviated the need to upgrade at the center position. And all their focus should absolutely be on getting a top six winger who can score goals and make plays that can play with Mika Zibanejad and get him back to point per game status. Like and and he's practically at that already. So I'm not too worried about the Rangers' chances. Like I said, this team is is prepped for a deep playoff run now. And I, I really think that that's what they're going to go on and do. And I think that they finally found that balance on the blue line that they were really struggling with in January, especially. I mean, they're still, you know, they're still susceptible to conceding three, four goals sometimes, <laughs> even when they're, you know, very successful.
1: The Montreal game is a perfect
2: example of like they didn't yeah. play well defensively. Yes, but I think that they have enough of a structure cohesively as a unit and i i give again one, a, a lot of credit for this and it's the same sort of thing that i'm giving um john tortorella credit for in philly especially with tortorella in philly doing it a much better job than the rangers i would say as a whole scheme defensively um i love torts actually uh i, I really do i come every time i end up mentioning him i mention that i love him uh he is a terrific coach the old school style you know you might not he, he might have some strange opinions on Trevor Zegris and Michigan's and this and that, that has to do with the media and people having entourages, I guess, which I don't know if that's really a thing in the NHL. Um, but I'll tell you what, he knows how to run a hockey club. And in the same vein, I, I feel that way about Peter Laviolette, because even when Keandre Miller misses a gap, which is not uncommon for him when Adam Fox is strung out, playing high on the opposite end blue line, there are systems in place to close teams down in the neutral zone. And that's what the Rangers do. They don't, I'd I'd be very interested to see the splits of time on attack Rangers versus the opposing team, because even if the shots are uneven, I don't think teams are getting sustained pressure in the Rangers zone as frequently as they are against other teams because of that, those, those things they have in place. I I really do think that they are um, one big right winger away from truly being a cup contender, but until then they still will be the scariest team to come out of the metro um if unless the, unless the hurricanes really heat up which is obviously super possible and then if not for the panthers bruins i would say that they're the hottest team to come out of the east i mean yeah i oh,
0: no please Nick. sorry okay um i i think you know the, the rangers do need a solution at right wing uh you know, Blake Wheeler's gone, the season's over. Um, no, it's really not. I don't think he was impacting team team um, as much as he would like to be or Rangers fans would like to be. But let's look at how you're going to solve the problem. And that would have to come, you know, pretty soon. And you would maybe have to ship someone off. And at the top of that list is Capo Caco for me. I think, look, okay, there, hear me out, hear me out. I'll, I'll list the problems with trading Kako first. Um, he does do a lot of work as a defensive forward, and that's tough to replace. I think that's actually where he really, you know, succeeds. Like, he protects the puck very well, and I think he wears out teams very well, especially, like, on the walls and on the boards. Um, and he he's good on the cycle, too, which, which is something I will say. So that adds a lot of value for him. Um, and second is, like... Like what? What? Who are you gonna get in return for Capo Caco? And you know who is gonna be worth Caco as a rental? And it's you're not gonna go for a guy like like Tarasenko again. I sure hope not. That would be an awful mistake. Um, but maybe I was thinking like maybe a guy like a, like an Anthony Duclair as a rental could not be a bad pickup because san jose's way out of the race and capo caco is is at least someone that maybe they could add as like a top six forward as they start building a young core i don't think that would be a bad decision and i think duclair could come up big if you need him in in some big games there so maybe that could be a good decision for them maybe an alex tuck from buffalo wouldn't also be a bad decision for a rental i think those two are really good obviously you know at the top of that list would be like a like a travis konechny but obviously the flyers aren't going anywhere so i don't think that would happen and torts wouldn't want to do that anyway and just real quick on torts because you mentioned that you love him um he uh did you see his comments on on the whole suspension uh yes and
1: i don't want to spend too much time on it okay. but like it's been covered for six days and to me the peak of this coverage has been them asking torts about it and Torts, yeah getting- yeah I I
0: love this little thing that the media does now about just, like, asking Torts questions about hockey in general because they know they're going to get, like, crazy quotes from him. Like, I absolutely love that, like,
1: Torts kind of plays into it, too. I I absolutely love that about him, you know? John Tortorella is my favorite coach in the NHL. It's not close. Him taking, like, 20 seconds to think about how he wants to say what he's about to say and then just goes, Lee's dumber, is, like... It's so funny. I love John Tortorella. I think he's low-key taking shots at Cutter there when he starts talking about the young guys and stuff like that mm-hmm. because I, like it was I, I know that the questions about Ridley Greg. I think Tortorella quickly takes away from that situation into a much broader statement about the course of the NHL. How accurate that statement is, I'm not so sure. I think you'd have to really have to get inside the locker rooms to kind of know for each specific team. Um, But I was very amused by his comments. And I, I continue to love any John Tortorella co- content. It's,
2: it's not just that, like that he was like talking about the entourage and the young things. It's like, he was like, this league has become so different. And, and um, I want to know what he means by that. Is he saying that like he, he's, he's anti- slap shots in an empty net or is he more so that he's pro kicking the crap out of someone who just took a slap shot into your empty net because that's been the entire response from everybody everyone's like everyone's like they're that deserved a reaction that elicited it and like i'm also thinking like but why shouldn't he take a slap shot into an empty net it's like is it showboating maybe
1: It reminds me. Like, you is it really? Does he deserve
2: to get clocked for that? I don't really think so. I, I think it's difficult. a bit of an overreaction from uh from from Morgan Rielly. I, I I I've got to say, like, it's it wasn't anything nefarious. Like, I guess you got to go up to him and confront him. But the way PK Subban put it, it was like, yeah, he's like, that was it was a dig to not take a slap shot like that, and you know you got to approach him, but you don't just like obviously you don't throw your stick at someone. You drop your gloves. You take it like a man. Um, I still don't even think I would say that it elicited a fight. I think you maybe you go over, you say something, maybe a scuffle. But for what it's worth, that was I, – I didn't see it as offensive. Uh, But the Toronto Maple Leafs surely did. And then you got Ryan Reeves saying, like, yeah, I think it was warranted. Austin Matthews, I think it was warranted. And I guess Torts is also saying, like, absolutely, you got to go after a guy who does that. And I'm still trying to be like, well, why shouldn't he take a slap shot? Should he? Ha- he has to calmly roll it into the net. So to be respectful. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess it's hockey. You're gonna get someone to go after you. But I- I'm kind of like, I'm saying like, I think it's soft to say that he shouldn't take a slap shot into the net. You know, call me old school for saying that, but I think people are looking at this from the wrong direction sometimes. It reminds me. Of- I just
1: oh yeah. It reminds me of, like, when we had the conversation with baseball a couple years ago where it's, like, Yerman Mercedes can't swing on a 3-0 count. Like, these stats matter. Yeah, come on. Here's, like, obviously, if you take a slap shot and do an empty net, like, you're making a little bit of a statement. And maybe that warrants some kind of, like, hey, don't do that. We have to stand up for ourselves. Now you made us look dumb. Now we have to have a response. Like, I thought Claude Giroux's comments after were interesting where it's, like, I think – Claude Giroux, who's Greg's teammate, I think he disagreed a little bit with what he did. Um, but I probably there's probably a middle ground where it's like, all right, so maybe it warrants a response just in the some chirping or like some, hey, what the hell are you doing? And that's probably somewhere in the middle. And on the other side, like on the far side of the spectrum is cross-check to the head, which is way too far. So I don't – I think – I think the Leafs probably made too big a deal out of the slap shot. And then the media has made too big a deal about this entire situation. Cause we're still talking about it six days later.
0: Here's here's like, honestly, I think he's absolutely justified in taking the slap shot. Um, and it's because Ottawa beat Toronto three out of four games this year. Ooh, yeah. Think about that. Hey. That's not, that's not something that happens a lot, especially how bad Ottawa is doing. And everyone wants to beat Toronto. When Toronto comes to town, you play your A game. Not because the yes, the Toronto Maple Leafs are an excellent team, but that's that's never been the thing that matters. Everyone If you're not from Toronto, you hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. And when you show up there, you want to beat them. And when you beat them three out of four games, when you're in the basement of the division and the Toronto Maple Leafs are an easy playoff contender and you beat them three out of four times, yeah, you can take a slap shot and showboat. We just showed you up and you're supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be the team to beat. And also Toronto and Ottawa have always hated each other. They're rival cities, you know, man? I mean, those are the two major cities of Canada
2: i i'm I'm with you there, and I think that, like, yeah, if you do something like that, expect a reaction. I think we all agree Morgan Riley crossed the line, but I also I'm also like, look, you're pro athletes. show them what do it, man
1: right why, a, why shouldn't you? It's a fine up, line. Just be ready for it. It's a fine line between like half like it's tough and soft at the same time where it's like, yeah, you need to stand up for yourself at the same time you're standing up to your for yourself because you got your feelings hurt because it's a slap shot into an empty net like it's such a right it goes in both ways it's wild it's weird and
0: and honestly i would be more mad if like jake wallman scores a game-winning goal and then gritties all over me hmm. like i would be more mad at that than a slap shot you know yeah me too like jake getting grittied on is absolutely jake disrespectful even though i love that he does it Awesome. And he actually hits it really dirty. So shout out to the Detroit Red Wings. It'd for that can't be easy to do on skates either, right? Like that. I don't know. You guys did you see, did that. you did you see the bobblehead? They made a bobblehead out of it? They made they made a, a Jake Wallman bobblehead that they gave out where the arms, there's a little switch on the back where you can make him gritty with the arms. That's so awesome. I love it. It's absolutely absurd. Here, I'll, 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 I'll send it to you.
1: To get back to what uh the point you were making, Nick? No, no, no. It's before we got on this tangent, which we were planning on having anyway, so it all works out, your point about Capo Kako, I just don't think that, just first on principle, I don't think necessarily the Rangers are in a situation where they should be taking away from their active roster to 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 make additions. Like, they don't have crazy depth. I mean, the guy that they're going to call up to replace Blake Wheeler is probably going to be Matt Rempick was gonna make his debut so like they don't think ottman's ready so it's not like there are a ton of like nhl ready guys waiting in the wings if something else happens and uh it's not like this team's been playing out of this world hockey i also like i kind of look at if you're gonna trade kako i'd rather it not be for a half-year rental like if you're gonna trade kako it's gonna be for someone that's got a bit more term it's gotta be a, a massive deal but the biggest thing beyond the fact that I I do love Kapokako is first off, he's playing some of his best hockey right now, five points in seven games. He's buzzing with this third line. And I start to think about what are the judgments that we've made about Kapokako this year prior to its injury? It's all right. Well, he was underperforming, but look at who he was playing with. It was a struggling Mika Zibanejad, which is when Mika Zibanejad struggles, Chris Kreider struggles. So it's like, we're going to expect Kapokako to all of a sudden produce when that line is struggling. And then he got put down, put down the third line with Nick Bonino, who's not on an NHL team anymore. Like, when you look at the guys that Kapokako has been playing with, Johnny Brodzinski Bradzon- Johnny has been the most effective player in terms of, I'm not saying he's better than Mika, but Johnny Brodzinski is playing better hockey than Mika was than he was with Kapokako. So all of a sudden, he's with he's on a line that is generating chances. And Kako scored a goal yesterday, and he's getting very active in the scoring chance game. And you're seeing the puck control and his ability to cycle through all the stuff that he does well, even when his line's not playing well. All of a sudden, it's culminating in actual offensive pressure. The third line's been the second-best line right now for this team. Will Cooley is so mature, and the way he uses his body is awesome. I don't want to mess that up at all. And your point about how good Kako is defensively, I think he's one of the best defensive forwards on this team. And that is a skill that man it would come up so big in playoffs. To me, he is a crucial piece come playoffs when the ice starts to shrink a little bit. Everything gets tighter. You need his physicality and his puck control to be on. So I, 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 that's, I unless yeah. it's unless it's like man, like we have a chance to get an absolute game changer, and I'm not really sure that there's a guy out there like that. Like I think you can get Duclair with just yeah. Maybe maybe it's not even a first round or maybe it it's a second or something like that. Like probably Berard, right? Like you have enough right. prospect capital to make a deal for a a Duclair, it, maybe not a Petrano, but like a, a guy that's on like expiring contract that you can make it happen without trading Kako. I if you are going to trade Kako, you really gotta. It's got yeah. Be right. I- that's an that's
2: an
0: excellent point. I, I'm maybe maybe I'll walk that back a bit. You you've convinced me. I, I I think you know as the ice shrinks in the playoffs, then yeah, Capo Capo Caco can actually be a really significant piece. Just just as you know, because you you can't just you know you have you need all four lines in the playoffs. So you know C- Capo Caco will actually be a nice. If nothing else, he relieves a lot of pressure for the other high value forwards to score goals. So I think that that's really important.
1: Well, because I know Nick, you got we got to get you to class soon. We got this. Uh, we got the stadium series coming up. Unless James, do you have a point about Kaka that you wanted to make?
2: Right. Um, not not really. I mean, I, I do agree that his phys- physicality is um a weapon. I don't see him being as crucial, maybe as you do down the line. Um, but he those are the type of players that you are going to rely on in certain moments. And I, I think that he's an important player for the Rangers. I do think that, you know, there's something to be said that Brzezinski is the guy to get his best hockey out of him. And that's, that's interesting that it, that it's come to that. But I've also think that Rangers fans for the most part have been slightly disappointed with what they've gotten out of Capo Caco over the years. And I think sometimes maybe try to grasp on his, you know, his defensive game and his physicality as a means of trying to find out where he, his game is valid valuable. But overall, I think that, you know, he, there's some shortcomings to his game offensively that he really looked like he had the ability to do that may have hurt the Rangers more so than it's helped them uh, throughout his career, which I, I don't want to pin against him, but I think that's just kind of the reality. It
1: is valid. He's not been the perfect player. I'm not even sure if it's going to be like down the stretch, if it's worth keeping him long term, but at least for this season, I think he's in mm-hmm. a better spot, keeping him as a third liner than trading him away. Uh, right, you you getting... know what? You know what?
0: Here's, here's, I'm going to quote Patrick Walk, um about Capo Caco. I have time for him. That's what he said about Oliver Wallstrom, and he was totally wrong, but I have time for Capo Caco. Uh,
1: so stadium series coming up, all three of us along with Michael Matuch will be at the respective games. There's even a chance that Nick Palmer double dips a little bit, which is pretty sick and goes to both, but. Could be, could Flyers, be, we'll see. Devils, Flyers, Rangers, Isles. I'll, I'll let you guys kind of decide how you want to take this. So like, how pumped are we? What are we feeling? I'm excited, obviously, but like, what are we thinking, boys? You, turn, you want me to give you a prediction? I, honestly, I, we didn't really give it. Uh, we don't have a clear outline for this. Like, if you just want to get takes off about what you think is going to happen, if you there's if there's something that we haven't gotten into yet, it could be prediction. I'm down for whatever.
2: Well, I do think that this game represents a big opportunity for the rain. Oh, not sorry for the Flyers, Islanders, and Devils. Each of those three teams have a chance to capture a lot of momentum and find a way to really see a path towards making the playoffs with a win this weekend against a big rival in a big setting. And I think that the devils, you know, with the way that they've been playing coming into this, this stretch, it's good that they've been playing some of the best hockey all season. However, the flyers up until losing an OT to the Maple Leafs were on uh, a four game heater. And that is not the type of, um, post-All-Star break team that you want to be playing who also has the same opportunity. So for me, I think that the Devils-Flyers game is going to be incredibly chippy. It's going to be incredibly tight. And I think both teams really see this opportunity will try to rise to the occasion in ways that is going to hopefully make this rivalry what it once was in the early 2010s. It's been a bit dormant for a while. And I think, you know, so as a hockey fan, for sure, I'm excited about that because Devils-Flyers games, you know, for many years used to be better than even Devils-Rangers games, I-, I I thought, for a for, oh, you know, a really long time and it hasn't been that way. So it presents the opportunity for that, but it also presents the Flyers with a chance to find their newfound momentum and really take it to New Jersey and prove that they belong in the top three in the Metro and the Devils have a chance to, you know, maybe knock them off their perch a bit with the way that they've been playing. But there's still one or two pieces in each of these games from achieving that. So I'm not ready to say that I'm going to predict the Devils to win. As for the Rangers Islanders game, I liked a lot about what Nick said about the Islanders and that they really have a shot to win this game. And I I do think that, you know, if they, if they play physically in the neutral zone and they outmatch the Rangers chances to slow them down, I think if if the Islanders can go toe to toe with them in the neutral zone, I think it's their game to win. If, if uh, Ilya Sorokin plays up to his potential as well, I think it really could be the Islanders game to win. However, the Rangers are super talented, you know, Their fire, their firepower hasn't been, you know, as good as it was recently. I mean, they've still been breezing through games. The power play itself hasn't been the crutch they've leaned on in the past. But if the Islanders play an undisciplined game, which is rare for them, and they put the Rangers with a man advantage, there's a real, real chance that they could uh, do damage. So I think if the Islanders are disciplined, it'll be a good game. But if not, the Rangers will run away with it. Do you know why you should be excited about
0: the stadium series? I know no no one listening can see this, but look at these lanyards they gave us. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: Uh, well, that's clear. No, I saw the other side. Rangers Devils on one side. There we go. There we go. Rangers there we Al's go. on one side. Philly Devils on the other side. Those How are, sick yeah. is this? And oh, yeah, cool.
0: dude, dude, look at these passes too. Aren't they beautiful? Like, if nothing else, come 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 for the lanyards. So that's okay. that's one thing I can say. I'm super excited to go. Uh, especially with you guys, because this is, this is like my first event, not going solo. And I'm so excited about that.
1: Yeah. It's been tough for us to get multiple guys there at the same time. So this is, I think this is the same as my, I, I went to one game with Sam Bohr, but other than that, it's been all solo. So I'm, I am pumped to go with you, Nick. No, yeah. I mean, I, so I would say, unless Nick, do you have any, I don't, again, I don't want to hold you. Do you have any other takes you want to get off your chest about Isles Rangers or anything like that? I have Every I've said everything I need to say. All right. Get out of here. I can rap without you. Get to class. Make sure you're on time. I love think, you. We love you, Nick. Um, <laughs> I think that this – uh, may, maybe object- objectively is not the right word, but I, I, I think this Devils-Flyers game is way sexier than the Rangers-Islander game. I love – I always love Igor versus Ilya. I think that's awesome. There's just way more juice with Rangers uh, – with, with Flyers-Devils right now. Like even beyond – I realize, like the New Jersey Philly thing, like they're so close to each other that that's going to be awesome. You're going to get flyers fans there, but where they're at in the standings right now, like that's an important game for the devils, the flyers If they really want to take a top three spot in the Metro. They need to ward off New Jersey. So like you got both of those things going at each other. You and I both remember how, frankly, how annoying and how gritty those flyers teams were in the mm-hmm. early 2010s, those Claude War check yeah. teams. And I feel like, a Tortorella-led Flyers team—they're getting back to that where, like, there's there in a couple of years, that's not going to be the lovable Flyers anymore. Like, we're going to hate them because they're going to be annoying to play against, and so I think that will play for an outdoor game against the Devils.
2: Yeah, I just I really felt that energy from the Flyers. You know, it's it's not Giroux, Voracek, Simmons, Timo um, Timonen, Van Riemsdyk, Hartnell. It's it's not that team, but it feels like it, and. And, it, and it's strange because, like, all those guys, like Danny Briere, like, all those guys are, are massive, massive NHL players, in my opinion. Or at least I look back on them and remember them as such. I don't think I'm going to remember that many of these Philadelphia Flyers moving down the line. But th- this is a team. This is a real team. And they're seven points clear of the Devils. It's not like between the Devils, Islanders, and Penguins, and Capitals even, who are four points apart between four teams. There's a big jump between the third and fourth place. The Hurricanes and Flyers are tied on points. The Flyers can... I mean they've played more games, but they can go ahead of Carolina, which would it was unthinkable that they'd be in even in this position. So I think the Flyers are going to come in not only because they've won four of their last five, they got points, uh, nine points out of the last ten games. I, I, I think that they're gonna come in with a big chip on their shoulder. And that's very good for this the attitude of this team. When the Flyers have a chip on their shoulder, they play gritty, they play physical, and it's that type of attitude that must have drawn John Tortorella to the job that made him such a good fit in Philly, and that's why they've hit the ground running. Uh, I think the Devils should be up to the challenge, though, because there's that much at stake, and because they've played really good hockey in that vein, super tight, neutral zone, gritty hockey. I mean, you saw Jack Hughes going at it recently, so it, it's not going to be lost on the Devils, what's coming, what they're coming up against and what's at stake. I think it's going to be such a tight game um, but who knows? It, it, it could swing one way or the other in that much of an emotional affair. Uh, I think the Devils get two points in this one if they stick to their game and are disciplined, and if they catch the Flyers being silly, you have to score in the power play. You have to take advantage of a man advantage in this game because there could be many, and they could get you on the other side. So I really think special teams could come down to uh, who gets the two points here, and it's a massive two points. If they don't get this win, and the Flyers go 9 points clear of them. It's it's going to be a brutal run
1: to the finish. This, this is a massive massive contest. I think I think it's tough, but I think I'm leaning Devils too just because they need this game. Like if they lose what you said, if they lose that game you're just in touch a tough spot where I I I like what Philly's doing this year, but I I do ultimately think that when Push comes to shove they're probably going to fall short here, and the Devils are going to get into the race. That's what my gut has said the entire year. So that's kind of the way I'm going to lean. And they got to prove it. Right? That's the yeah. that's kind of the thing. I lean Rangers in the Rangers-Islanders game, obviously biased. Rangers are perfect in outdoor games. So I feel like great vibes. Yeah, coming in. It feels like they always step up to the challenge with these type of games. And I don't know. There are some Rangers fans that were that – I saw joking about like, all right, we need to lose against Montreal so that we don't have a winning streak going into the stadium series. Hmm. I I like that we've got good vibes going in. I love that Igor is coming off a shutout. I think you're going to see Ilya step up to the task too. Like I'm expecting Islanders have gotten, I think it will be five days of rest going into this game because the last time they played was Tuesday. They won't play again. So like that bodes well for them. So it's going to be exciting. There's probably more juice with Devils Flyers, but like Rangers Islanders is always going to be, an exciting game and when you put it outdoors like it dial it up to 11 vibes are going to be great I'm mm-hmm. fan, because I'm a Rangers fan so I love that <laughs> um, this has been a long episode but it's been fun we've talked about a lot of important things yeah big weekend yeah huge weekend coming up big weekend for us please check out our coverage we'll be all over Twitter with all that stuff and it'll be awesome to get to MetLife and get to cover these games up. For Nick Palmer, who is no longer with us, he already left for class, and for the great James Burley, I'm Lou Orlando, this has been a long but very entertaining episode of Five on Three, take it easy everybody.